Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Jill Ziegler. Jill, welcome to Uncomfortable. Thank you, Eric. Good to be here. Glad to have you. Well, I can't remember. Um, The problem with social media and myself is that I can't keep track of anything. So I don't remember where our initial contact came from, whether it was Instagram or Facebook. Um, Well, actually, it was because of the Michigan Bigfoot Conference. Oh, that was, yes. Yes, and I attended. And um, prior to that, just looking at um, who the speakers were going to be and everything. Mm -hmm. And I think you had put out a post um, encouraging people to come over and have a talk and interview. I did, yes. It was a short, yes. And I actually thought, oh, I'm here. I can do that. Well, and, and I then, and I recognized you as you walked by the table several times. I recognized yes. you from uh, your your profile picture. Yeah, and and I kept wondering to myself, well, that's got to be her. Why isn't she stopping? <laughs> <laughs> well, some part of it was because a few times when I felt like, oh, I have time to do this, then you had someone sitting in the chair. So I thought, well, I'll come back by. Um, and that was at the tail end of a week's vacation um, in Michigan, gone to the beach the week prior. Um, I could never sleep good on vacation. So I had some sleep deprivation and just not feeling well. And kind of just mentally, I wasn't like, I felt like I was disoriented, like you do when you're sleep deprived and you're just trying to grab, you know, things here and there, but you're not really concentrating on what's going on. I mean, it felt like it was a, a blur to me. Uh, that the the day of the we got in on Friday night. So then Saturday, you know, I got up and it was probably noon before I ever came downstairs. So I missed a lot of the speakers. But I felt like a lot of uh, the conference time was me kind of mingling around and chatting with people and shopping. Mm-hmm. I remember shopping a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I had some I had some intentions on. Uh, you know, having conversations with some different people and 
touch a base with people. I don't get to see, you know, unless I see them at conferences, usually in person. Um, it just didn't happen. I just was so out of it that weekend. And I did have a, a talk with Cliff Brock when he was there, so we, we started talking for, for a while. But I just never, I think when I would go by your table, you were busy with someone else, and it just, you know, time just got away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a good weekend. It was uh, a great turnout. Um, I was I was surprised at the number of people that came through there. And like you, I got to speak with uh, several of the people. Uh, short conversations because everybody was kind of trying to tend their booths. And yeah, um, I was lucky enough to sit down with Cliff and uh, record about a twenty minute interview with him uh, that I'll be airing here as a bonus uh, shortly. But, uh, so you, you got in touch with me initially because you are from what's just south of, south of the middle of, uh, the state of Indiana, a uh, little southwest. Um, yeah. Of- yeah, probably within a half hour southwest of Indianapolis, like downtown Indianapolis, very close to, you know, not, not far from the airport. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis International Airport or Weir Cook. I forget what they call it now. But um, we're far enough away from the city that we're in the woods. You know, uh, wanted to live out around trees and country and wildlife. So probably about 11 years ago, moved from the city. And my family's originally from, well, I was born here in this county where I'm living now. So very familiar with the area and been here for about 11 years. And you are you are smack dab in the middle of uh, several large forests. Yes. Can you you want to go ahead and name those for our listeners? Yeah, I live um, just outside of Morgan Monroe Forestry, which is the most popular um, area near me in Indiana. In Indiana, uh, that's considered you know Southern Indiana. And then you have Yellow Yellowwood State Forest, and then it pretty much runs into the Hoosier National Forest. So we have a lot of heavily wooded area um, from southwest Indiana down to the southern southern tip of Indiana. And even when I lived in the city, I grew up a lot um, doing a lot of hiking, fishing, mushroom hunting, and Morgan Monroe forestry. And then since moved back into the area 11 years ago. Um, we frequent that area uh, with, just, with just hiking and uh, kayaking and exploring. And you've had some experiences. I've had some experiences. Um, Let's get into some of those before, okay. we, before we get into, I have some audio selections that you provided that I, I want to play later on okay. and have you put some context to it. Um, but let's, let's, let's start off with, you know, what kind of got you involved with the, the whole idea of uh, being interested in this subject? Um, well, I mean, interested in the subject, that's probably, I mean, as far back as when monster quest came out, Mm-hmm. Um, I started watching Monster Quest, and I lived in a wooded area at that time, too. But just being interested in uh, cryptozoology, and especially Bigfoot, because of 
sightings in Bigfoot here, you know, here in Indiana was more relatable to me, you know? Um, so hearing about people's experiences and then just throughout, uh, I do a lot of Bigfoot art, um, just, just some different things have, have drawn me in to the interest of Bigfoot and some experiences. We talk about Morgan Monroe forestry and uh, hearing some stories and sightings that have come out of that area in Yellowwood and then having some experiences here on, on our own property um, is probably the biggest thing. And I could say that you know, but most, most people would say, well, it happened, you know, while I was in the forest, but most of my up close experiences have actually, actually happened on my own property. Really? Which has made it a little more intense. I would say. <laughs> you, know, kind of, you kind of want to have an experience in the woods and then have your, you know, come home and not, and not have those issues. But most of, most of my, um, most of my abnormal findings, things that have just stopped me in my tracks, and I've thought, you know, that's weird, or that's unusual, or that's not normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I've not heard that before or seen that before. Um, you know, it's those type of situations that um, most of them I've experienced right here at home. And we're, our property is eight acres, but we're deep in the woods. <clears throat> so there's, you know, thousands of acres of woods around us. That's private property and, you know, public land. Mm -hmm. So I live in a very, very wooded area, even though we're not far from the city at all. Within, you know, 30 minutes of, you know, downtown area. Which is is not unusual. I mean, there's, there's reports of, of these kind of encounters and sightings and, uh, evidence being found, um, you know, one of my guests, James Lady, um, you know, his, 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 uh, his area of investigation is just in the suburbs of Detroit. Yeah. And the stuff that he comes up with is, uh, amazing. Yeah. And I think that for those reasons, sometimes it's easier to try and explain it away, you know, like, Oh, well it had to be this or it had to be that because you know, you just don't want to think that um, something could be living, you know, among you that's not supposed to be. That, um, you know, would be in such an area where there would be a lot of, you know, traffic or people or um, animals, other animals around. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> most of my, you know, a couple of my stories I haven't shared with a lot of people Um, sometimes because you, it's like, you know that it happened and you can explain how it happened, but unless you were there and heard it or seen it, um, you know, or or was going through the same emotions as you're going through it, you know, you can't, you can't really, really share that with anyone to a point where they're going to feel what you felt. You know, right. Yeah. Um, you, you get a lot of people being like, oh, well, if you heard that noise, it was probably this or that or, uh, you know, and even you struggle with yourself trying to explain things away. So if you tell stories to people, they'll do the same thing, you know, 
And it's so a lot easier. Times- and it's a lot easier for him because if you're the one experiencing it and you try to explain it away, you've always got yeah. that nagging voice in the back of your head saying, "No, that's not what it was." But exactly. when when you're telling somebody else who who is a armchair quarterback, and they're yeah. like, you know, like I I played your your sounds for a, a friend of mine who is a quite an accomplished hunter, um, and and he's like, he had no idea where you were from. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's a wolf all day long. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, all right. Now he's he's become more open to the idea of talking about this subject matter, but I'll tell you right now that you know, and does the DNR not completely be transparent all the time? No, they're they 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 don't admit to some things being in certain areas. Right. There is no there is no population of breeding wolves in central Indiana. <laughs> no. You know, now, um, wolf hybrids, dog and wolf mix, somebody let it go, couldn't take care of it, might be running around out in the woods. Possibility, right. sure. Um, but, but go ahead, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but... Uh, the, well, no, that, that's exactly my train of thought since, um, you know, the, the first time that I heard what I call the howler, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, first time I, I thought, hey, it's somebody's dog. It's just somebody's dog. It was in it, it. The audio that time was was even closer. It was it was really creepy. But it was it was even before dusk. So I thought that's got to be somebody's dog. Like it, it just sounded horrific. You know, I thought if that if that's somebody's dog, how could they listen to that all the time? You know. Yeah. And then and then it hit me. It's like you know, it's somebody's dog. I'd hear it all the time. I'm not I'm not going to hear it like you know, once and then it's gone. If it's somebody's dog, you know, and then, then your brain's like, oh, well, maybe it was, you know, a, a, a rogue, you know, hybrid, you know, dog-wolf mix, some, you know, lone coyote, you know, with a deep howl. You, you, start, you start telling yourself all of these things, you know. And the thing about our property is I know what a coyote sounds like. I, when the coyote howls around here, it's always a pack. You know, and they're yelping and there's... Yep, they're yippy. It's so... Yeah, anybody that doesn't even live in the country could hear it and say, oh, those are coyotes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it wasn't that. It's just... It, it's, it's it's much more... Sus- I just, it's yeah, much more sustained. Just, yeah, and that, that time I just discounted it. I thought, you know, there's some explanation for it, you know, no big deal. And I just went back to my you know, my country living, which I'd have to say, I'm very much a night person. My, my art studio where I'm talking to you now is on our property, but it's separate from the house. It sits along the wood line. It's pitch black out here at night. I have, it has barn doors on it. I'll have the barn doors open and I'm out here in, in, you know, pitch black and I'll hear things and I'll walk through the property. I'll get on my golf cart and go down the end of our road through cornfields and woods. And it just doesn't bother me. I really enjoy being out at night. And, um, you know, even when I heard these howls, I'm walking towards it with my phone, you know, I I noticed that I noticed that because the audio you sent me was actually video from your phone. Yeah. And that's all I I was like, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this girl is not afraid. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I had my niece that lives not far from us say, and you're walking towards it. What are mm -hmm. you doing? You know, it's nighttime. Um, but curiosity, you know, I'm I'm probably right along with a lot of other people that, you know, I will say if there if there was, you know, a Bigfoot howling in the woods, I mean, that's why we had, have investigators and researchers. I mean, you want to go out there and you want to hear Bigfoot. You would like to see Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people that, you know, have actually, you know, say they've had up close encounters. I've had a couple people look at me like, you're ridiculous if you think that you really want to see Bigfoot, you know, and they, they look at you with fear in their eyes. Like that's terrified me. You don't want to see Bigfoot. <laughs> so, so here I am, you know, out hearing these abnormal howls and thinking it's coyote. Is it wolf? Is it, you know, what is it? It's just something abnormal. It's, it's not, there's no, you know, you can't like pinpoint what it is. And I think that's a fascination of, really wanting to know, you know, what's out there. I think a few times, uh, the first audio um, that I sent to you, one was April, and then the last time I heard the howler was just a few days before we left on vacation. It was like July 8th. Uh, we left on vacation July 11th. <clears throat> so it's, you know, fairly fairly recent. We're just talking last month. Mm -hmm. It's the first time or the, the last time that I, that I heard the howler. And, um, so you know, can you think about before you go, go too ahead. much further, can you kind of touch on like, <clears throat> can you narrow down like the frequency? How often does this happen? Well, it's happened three times that I felt like I should pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. the, the first time I didn't do an auto re a recording. And that was the time that I pretty much thought it's gotta be somebody's, um, you know, wounded dog somewhere off in the woods or something. The second time it happened was in April and it was at dusk. And I sent you some audio from that one. Um, and then didn't hear it again until July 8th was the last audio that I took. And it was in one was to the South and one was to the North. The, the, the first April audio, you could tell that, this creature was closer to me than the July audio where it was off to the north back in the woods or up in the hills. So the April, the April audio in the direction it was coming from was nothing but cornfields and woods. And then the July audio was back across our ponds, like up in the woods on the hill. And so they're coming from different you know, different locations. Um, and the other thing that struck me about it was I could hear barred owls and I could hear, hear dogs barking, but never ever did coyotes start calling taxi coyotes like we hear around here all the time. You know, nothing else, nothing else was, people are like, oh, it's just a, a lone coyote or something. But I'm like, why aren't other coyotes calling back then? Right, why exactly. am I not hearing the normal yapping coyotes that we do that even you know, one or two i mean normally you hear a, a whole pack yipping and and hooting and hollering but i mean not even one in return you hear dogs yeah. you hear dogs in the background barking i hear dogs and i've heard barred owls um but that was the thing with me it was like well if it's if it is a coyote why aren't you know all of them 
calling. Where are my coyotes? You know, we see them go across the yard. We've lost livestock to coyotes. Um, caught them on trail cams around here. We've got bobcat. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of wildlife, but you know, it's it's not. It's some of those things I don't think about until someone, you know, like you listen to audio. It's like, yeah, I never really thought about it before, but why didn't our coyote packs start calling back when yeah. it was out? Let me take That's you, what didn't make sense to me. Let me take you back real quick. Um, earlier you mentioned that that area that you're in, um, that there's reports and that there are, you know, reported sightings and, and, and reports of of other people having experiences. Let me ask you, where, I mean, what, what process are you going through to, to find these other reports? Are you using the BFRO or are, is no. this, is this stuff that's being talked nope. about? in just, um, just normal conversation. Um, one story, I, there was a shed that I wanted to save and make into my art studio before I got this trailer that I have now. And we were out to a, a man's property and he was, we were talking about Morgan Monroe forestry. He was far West of us into Putnam County. And he was, Oh yeah, my son's a logger and has been doing a lot of work here in Morgan Monroe forestry. And uh, we started talking about different things and somehow the subject of Bigfoot come up and, I think that he had a, a Bigfoot sculpture he, in his, um, he owns a gun shop, mm-hmm. but he was telling me about, you know, his son claims that he saw, you know, a big black hairy creature running through Morgan Monroe forestry way too fast to be a bear. And he said, he's only told a few people. He doesn't like to talk about it. So that was one story that just, just came to be and I really never even mentioned it but to a couple of people um, another time a woman that was actually I was buying a Bigfoot sign at a flea market and she said oh you're getting the Bigfoot sign and it said something like you know don't feed Sasquatch or something mm-hmm. and I said oh did you want that and she was like oh no I don't want it and I just she just seemed you know, like she just kind of shook her head and she said uh, that she was from Florida and that they have what she called skunk ape mm-hmm. sightings in Florida. And I said, yeah, I said, I would like in my lifetime to at least see Bigfoot once, just threw it out there. And she just looked at me with this very concerned, serious face, like, no, you don't want to see Bigfoot. Like she, she knew it was something. almost... Yeah. And, um, you know, then she continued to say that once you see one, you won't want to see one again. And I was kind of, I felt a little embarrassed and a little bit, um, uh, just a little bit like I wanted to ask her more questions, but it wasn't the appropriate time to, and kind of walked out of the store like, wow, did that just happen? Because yeah. I, I never really had, conversations with anyone that's claimed to see skunk ape or a Bigfoot creature and have that just stonic, almost terrified look on their face. Like, like no, they don't want to thinking? see one. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's almost like it's, 
it, it made me look at it made me look at uh, Bigfoot in a different way. I guess it's like I've always thought about. Yeah, I would maybe I just want to see Bigfoot, you know, from a distance. Yeah. Um. Probably a close encounter. You know, uh, it probably is very terrifying. You know, and I think it's those people. It's just those people that don't even really share it with anybody. You know, well, it's a really, it's, it's a very polarizing, uh, segment of people that have this experience. You either have, you have the ones that are all jacked up and they want to go out and they want to see it and they want to have an experience. And then you, you talk to someone like the, the woman I talked to last night, um, who did not see anything yet had something, uh, circle her, her campsite. Mm-hmm. in what she estimated to be either like a five to seven second encounter where it went from the front of the campsite all the way around the back of the trailer and back around to where it started. She mm-hmm. said she saw from the, the firelight of the campfire and the lanterns that they had in her, in her, in the trees, she was able to see some motion to the low lying brush as whatever was going through there at a at a intense speed was knocking things over, breaking trees, and and rustling the brush, um, you know, inside of inside of five to seven seconds, she she peed herself. Yeah, and you know, I mean, but then you have the people that want to go out and experience that. Mm-hmm. And it's, I can't, I can't find that happy medium. Right. You know, it's like, I agree. And I agree with you. I think, um, my, my experiences have been what I call peripheral. There have been things that I've experienced and I think it's because they were in the area mm-hmm. and were a result of them being there, but I haven't seen one. Would I like to see one? I think I would, but I think I'd like to see it at, at a distance. Yeah, I agree. That's and, me too now. You know, I never felt that way until I heard, actually met a couple of people that just, it was more of, we're not going to talk about it. It didn't happen to us. It was very fearful. We're not going to share our story. You know, those people are more believable to me, you know, than the ones that just want to talk about all the, yeah. you know, Bigfoot sightings they've had and this and that. Yeah, and this um, this just woman the genuineness to their testimony. Yeah, this woman last night she said, you know, I've tried talking to a couple of people about it, and I've run into exactly what you'd expect. And she well, said it feels really good to be able to sit on this show and and talk about without being ridiculed or you know looked at right. funny. But she said by the end of the uh, the interview, she said I I will. This this will be the last time that I ever try to, you know, have this conversation with somebody because yeah. it just it's not worth getting so well, irritated and pissed off that somebody's not accepting of, you know, you can believe in ghosts and nobody makes fun of you and you can believe in right, you know, your your God which you can't see and nobody makes fun of you, yeah, and I I can't believe in this or feel that this experience was you know real and you're gonna you're gonna sit there and poke fun at me 
Well, and, you know, if I could have sat down with you at the Michigan Bigfoot Conference, the one, you know, short story I wanted to tell was uh, something that happened here on the property that I've only told, you know, a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Because most people, like I said, they just don't, they don't understand, you know, they, they think there's got to be some logical explanation to what happened, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, there is, but something happened. You know, um, I was going to tell you about the quail story about when my quail was taken one night. Yeah. Um, you know, out here, I mean, the wildlife is plenty. I have, I have everything imaginable that Indiana has as far as predators, you know, that get to our, our chickens and our ducks and our livestock occasionally. But, you know, and because of that, we have, you know, sealed pens, um, chicken wire and fencing and doors with slide locks and we do all we can to protect our animals. Um, sometimes, you know, the, the possums or the raccoons will find a way into a, you know, a rusty part of the fence and break it free. I've even had raccoons that, um, you know, and possums that will just dig under until they're, until they can get through to get something. And they're very messy predators. You know, I'll find my, you know, my, my dead chicken and I'll find feathers and blood in places. I mean, I, I, that's normal for me. If a predator has come in and taken one of our, our chickens or ducks, uh, I know that it's, you know, that it's been a, a coyote or a, a, yeah, because typically they, just, no, they don't know take it, it off like. and run away with it. They, they, they eat their food there. Yeah. And leave the remnants um, of it behind. Right. I mean, it's very messy. I mean, I can just walk out there. I see feathers. I'm like, oh, no, something got to something, you know. But um, and I clean it up. But in this situation, I went out like I normally do my late morning routine, you know, feeding the livestock. And um, I go out to the quail cage and they were in a concealed you know area little hutch and it had chicken wire all around it and it has a pull down door and it the door locks with a sliding lock so i go out there to feed them and i my eyes i'm going to hit you know grab the lock to unslide it and i only see one quail inside and i'm just standing there you know like stopped in my tracks like where are my other quail mm-hmm. you know so I start looking all around the cage to, to try and find, you know, a hole, an opening, uh, see if predators got in and nothing. The only thing I found was a clean, a little clean grouping of feathers right outside the cage. And then the one live quail inside the cage, the others are missing. How many were missing? There were four missing. I had five quail in there. So there were four missing. So, you know, I'm just standing there and I'm thinking, well, where'd my quail go? As if someone opened the door, took out the ones they wanted, and shut the door. It's a sliding lock. So I'm thinking, okay, did the raccoons, you know, bump this cage enough that the door came down and somehow they managed to flip the door back up and the, the lock slid? I mean, your, your brain's doing all this, trying to come up with an explanation as to what happened. Um, and there wasn't one. It was like nobody else had touched my quail. Nobody, you know, nobody knew anything about it. 
So I have four quail missing, just a small pile, a nice pile of feathers. And the lock, but you're saying the lock was re, the door, door, yeah, the door was shut and locked. So to me, it was as if someone, someone reached into the cage and took, took four out or one at a time and shut the door and not only shut the door, but locked it. And my thought, you know, my thought right away was, oh, this is if something was being nice and thought, I'll leave her one. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I thought. And no one has ever um, thought that. I know when I talked to you, you, you kind of mentioned that. It's I like, did. oh, it's like almost as if they were being nice and left one, kind of yeah. like leaving one cookie in the cookie jar kind of thing. Yeah, because there's a lot of people uh, that have similar circumstances. Uh, I think the the prevailing thought is that these beings think that everything belongs to everybody, and so their their morality or their the way they exist, they don't you know they see something locked up in a in a hutch, and that doesn't register that that belongs to somebody else. They just mm-hmm. decide that they're going to take some because it's a uh, an opportunistic meal. But they're not gonna they're not gonna leave you without anything, right? And, and, and you know, almost almost their way of sharing. Yeah, it was almost like thank you, and I'll leave you one. That's how I felt. And um, wasn't long after that, maybe within a few months, I had two full size pheasants come up missing the exact same way. You know, um, no. In fairness, you- raccoons pretty much have hands. And they are known yes. as thieves, um, but yes. but for a raccoon to remove four quail, four quail, I don't I don't know that that would be something that you you know they might get in there and get one, um, but then yeah, the quail, and there the, wasn't um, yeah, and there wasn't the fight like there wasn't feathers all inside the cage mm-hmm. and blood. I mean, a lot of times the raccoon if he's if it's going to get in, it's going to like kill them right there. Right. I mean. Usually when we've, when we've got roosters or ducks or something that's, you know, fallen prey to like the possums or the raccoons, you know, the body's still laying there and it's been eaten on and there's feathers everywhere and blood and, you know, it's quite a mess to clean up. So. And then two two pheasants come up missing the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Door door locked again. Yes. And it's a full size, like walk-in door with a, with a, um, didn't have a sliding lock. It had a, a an eye and hook lock on it. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, at least four feet off the ground. So my two grown pheasants, it's hard for me to catch them. You can imagine, I mean, they were raised here, but they're still pretty wild. You know, you, you don't grab them and pet them or anything like that. They right. fly around. They don't want you touching them. And, you know, it takes me putting on you know, boots and a hat and, and safety glasses and a long sleeve <laughs> shirt. And I go in and, you know, I'm running around the cage trying to, to, to grab a hold of one of them and get them by the feet. So, you know, if I have to move them to a different pen or something, I mean, it's, it's not easy to do. So, I mean, I even pull out feathers grabbing them. I had a, a female pheasant yesterday that had two babies and me just trying to put the babies in a separate cage and get her to put her in with the babies. I had a handful of feathers 
just from trying to grab onto her and her pulling away from me. You know, and that's normal. That happens. So at this instance, I go out there and there's two males that are missing. There's no feathers anywhere. The door's closed. And it's the same situation. I'm standing there looking like, where are my pheasants? I start looking around the ground. I, I looked. They have like a little cabin that we built in. They can get inside. I looked in there. I looked under it. I'm looking for holes in the fence. There again, it's like, okay, well, did possums or raccoons come in here and neatly, you know, kill my animals and get them out the door? I don't think so. Did, you know, and then you start thinking, well, did someone come in and steal them? You know, I had someone say, well, probably just somebody came on your property and stole them from you. I'm like, yes, but it, it makes a lot of noise trying to catch two pheasants. It would have been pitch black out there, you know. There would have been feathers all over the place. Um, my other animals would have been having a fit, you know, with someone out there that wasn't supposed to be. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you would say, no, it couldn't have been a, a person couldn't have done that. You know, you know, it's just. Um, so, no. So where's your mind at at this point? Uh, Bigfoot's already on your radar, right? Well, yeah, it's it's kind of like what could do it it's like it's almost like something has to be know how to be stealthy and quiet um something that maybe other animals see and are uncomfortable around you know i got to think well why wouldn't our roosters start crowing and such um so my mind starts thinking about well maybe it's something that they're used to seeing and i'm not so they don't feel threatened by it you know, a lot of people think, um, or know, they're, or they're scared and know to be quiet. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things. It comes down to what could have done it. What, what can open doors, what can relock things? You know, my only thought is that a, a human, a human would have to do it. Um, now your, your, des it. your description of where you live yeah. How, how, uh, how likely would it be for somebody to be able to get into your, that back no, area? No, they'd have to, they'd have to drive in, which we're at the, uh, the end of a dead end road. Um, our home and property is basically in the side of a hill, you know, on eight acres of woods surrounded by tons of other woods, um, it's, it's a one way in, one way out. If, if someone comes by car, we're going to know. It's so black at night. You can, you know, you, you can hear, you can hear cars coming down the road and up the drive. You can, you can see lights. Um, there's a lot of livestock around that, you know, starts making noise when there's, when there's people mm -hmm. out. Um, you know, we have dogs. There's, there's cows, we have alpaca, llama, um, horses, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that make noise when there's other stuff stirring. Like even when we hear like coyotes sometimes will call, you know, um, there's just a lot of, there's a lot that happens when, when things are stirring in the night, that's not normally there, I guess. Like, I'll just know that Something's got to be outside. Like our, our roosters will crow occasionally, any time of the day and night. 
but they have a sort of a warning call that they they let out if there's a predator around, you know. Um, they do that sometimes if it's a cat they don't know or a dog they don't know. Mm. Um, they do it with the hawks and the owls. So you, you, you see on TV where people have, you know, their livestock's going crazy outside. So they immediately, you know, grab their shotgun and go outdoors because they know something's out there. It's not supposed to be. There's usually a lot of explanation when something's out there. You just know it, you know, by what you're hearing. Now, so, when this was going on, were you, were you like actively looking for possible prints mm-hmm. on the ground? Did you, did you ever come I, up with anything? I have had some. Have you really? This, this is this is the other thing that that I do. If because I do a lot of farm work out there, and we have a lot of clay in the area, but we have some soft ground too. Where the clay area is, you ever seen my my yard? Um, you know the chickens and the livestock pretty much make clay almost like. I mean, it's just solid. It, it's hard to put an imprint in, in hard mm-hmm. clay, unless we've had a lot of rain and mud. And we have a lot of deep grass, but I'm also wearing boots all the time, you know, to do not in the summertime so much, but in the wintertime, you know, I'll have, I'll have boots on. So you, you see tracks and you think, oh, that, you know, that, that could be a duck's foot in my, the heel of my boot. I mean, I, my mind starts saying, you know, that's, that's not a big foot track. That's, you know, that could clearly be this and that, you know, you start explaining it away. Um, the last track that I saw, I thought, oh, those are just, those are just, um, you know, the heel of my boot. And then I've stepped in it again and this and that. And then, you know, it dawned on me. It's like, I don't even wear boots to feed the animals in the summertime. I just wear like, like sandal, like slide in sandals. So I thought, well, whose heel boot is that then, Jill? I mean, that's the kind of thing, like my mind messes with me, like, I start making excuses for what I'm seeing. And then after, you know, after I think about it, I'm like, well, I am not even worn boots out there for two months. So, you know, I can't say that I haven't seen some tracks. There's just some that have been, um, you know, questionable as to whether that's what it, what it really is. Um, Probably a couple of years ago, I shared one track with an Indiana research group that we had, and they kind of looked at it and didn't really, you know, comment any, any more about it. So I think there's some things that have happened that I don't really share with people or care to dispute or pr- try and prove it, you know, in any way. But the animals missing with doors being opened and relocked is something that really made me think that there's got to be something going on, you know, something that's very just abnormal. Um, what are the, what are the things that you don't typically want to talk about? Um, well, I think just stories like that. I mean, a lot of times if you say your animals are missing and you know, something, oh, I, I see. people just kind of smirk at you or something, but um, I also it away. had, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's it's just not even really worth it to me to, it's not like I'm trying to 
make them believe what what I saw or what happened to me. You know, that's really not my not on my agenda to make them, you know, believe me. I don't I don't really I don't really have any purpose in that. I just know that there's some strange things that happen that I can't explain. We had um, the studio I'm sitting in right now has some tall trees around it, but nothing directly over the studio. And one morning I came out, walking out here, I've got a, a deer that I feed next to the studio. I put corn out all the time and I just came walking out here and I thought, oh, there's my tree by the studio. I don't have a tree by the studio. So I'm standing there and I'm looking, I'm like, what the heck? There was this huge branch and it's still there. I've never taken it out. Huge branch outside my studio where it looks like it was propelled out of a tree and hit hard enough that it stuck into the ground a foot or two. Really? So I'm standing there looking at it and I'm thinking, we haven't had any storms. Yeah, it could have broke. Maybe it hit the top of the studio just right and landed just right, but it put itself in the ground a couple of feet. So I tried pulling on it to remove it and I couldn't. So we're like, well, we're going to have to get the tractor to pull it out. And I'm like, no, just leave it there. You know, and I've hung, I actually have wind chimes and stuff hanging <laughs> on it right now. It's sturdy enough that it looks like it's a, is that something I can see in in one of your posts? Yeah, I can take yeah, I can take a picture of it and send it to you too. But you know, I'm standing all around the studio and I'm looking directly up and I'm like, well, could it fall in there and it could have hit there and it could have bounced over there and you know, it's just one of those things that's just weird. It was almost, you know, I'm thinking you see all like we're Bigfoot gifts people and stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm like. It's almost like you walked up there and stuck it in the ground and said, here you go. Hang stuff on it. I've got crystals on it now. And Thanks for the coil. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just, it's just some of those things where you're like, well, yeah, I think that, that could have fallen, I guess, and landed just like that, you know? And then there's a part of you that just thinks that's just really weird. That's abnormal. It's almost like some person walked up and stuck that in the ground. Where they did, it's just right outside my steps, perfectly as if I played a little tree out there. Now, it sounds like you spent an awful lot of time outdoors. And out here? Yeah. Um, not now, as with, much with as ta- I... With taking care of the animals and, and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm outside of the property. Yeah, probably. I'm out here several times a day. So do you, you know, ever I'm... have do you ever have any experiences where you feel... Um, being watched yeah yeah do you yeah and that's i've had that here i've had that here and that's one of the reasons why like morgan monroe forestry always gives me the creeps there were several years i didn't go over there because every time i went i felt like i was being watched there's something very paranormal about morgan monroe forestry altogether whether it's ghosts and spirits or Bigfoot, but you don't see wildlife running around. You don't hear noises. You should. It's very, um, it's very odd in parts of the forestry where we were. Yeah. In the forestry where we used to go. And it's a place I would never go alone. Um, but the same feeling I've had there of just an uneasiness, like I'm being watched. Um, and, it's like there's times I think I want to hear a squirrel or I want to see birds or I want to see a deer run past. Nothing. Just 
he did nothing. And, you know, that's really odd in a forestry to feel like you're the only one there and there's something else there with you. Yeah. And it's not wildlife at this point. You know, it's almost like just an eerie feeling of of when you feel like you're all alone someplace and someone's watching you. Have you had any See close encounters? There? There? I'm sorry? Yeah, I said it's just that feeling of knowing that something's there and you can't see it. Yeah. But you feel like it's seen you, you know, that kind of feeling. There's a few times here on the property late at night when I've been out in the studio that I've heard a few things or um, would start to feel a little uncomfortable and mosey on, you know, back to the house. What kind but of thing? Sometimes just cracking noises or moving noises that I think maybe is too loud for like deer or cat or something, you know, going through the woods. Um, one time I was doing artwork and I had both the little barn doors open and I had music playing. I have music playing a lot. So there's probably a lot of sounds that I don't hear. But one night I had just an overwhelming odor, like like a skunk had gone underneath my studio. We never see skunks around here. Occasionally we've had a neighbor say they've seen one, you know, down the road or something. So I thought, well, skunks just come around. I didn't see a skunk. It was nighttime. It could have come by the studio and, you know, sprayed it and left. I don't know. But that was something that was really odd that night that I've not experienced ever since then. And it just came up really fast. Like all of a sudden it just like was engulfing the inside of the studio. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, just reeked of a musky skunk smell. Did it last a long time? You know, typically a skunk odor will, you know, you it, even drive no. past one that's been hit on the road and, and your, it didn't. your cabin of your car will smell. It didn't. And that, that's what was odd about it. I felt like my, my thought was, you know, it did go away. And then I did have the thought, well, I hope it didn't spray the trailer because I'm, I'm going to be smelling skunk for two or three months, mm -hmm. you know, whenever I come out here and it didn't happen. It was just like, it was, it was there for a while and I noticed it and then it was gone. Well, you realize you're putting a lot of check marks in a lot of boxes, right? Yeah, I know. And I, I, you know, I, when I decided to have the interview with you, I kind of jotted some things down. It was like, why, what do I have to tell? And with the odd tree being put outside the studio and yeah, that's the fascinating. odor I had in there that night and then having animals missing. And while I'm thinking of it. And, and um, then the howler, you know, the two audios I've caught recently, April and July. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get to those here pretty quick while I'm still thinking of it though, please, if you would forward me the pictures of the, the tree that's in the ground yep, and uh, maybe even pictures of your, uh, your hutches, you know, the way they lock yep. um, and the doors and then I'll, yeah. I'll put those out with the, when I release the show. So people get okay. an idea of what they're looking, you know, okay. envisioning. Um, so let's, yeah. uh, let's, Let's fire up these uh, these howler recordings. Okay. Um, it's about two minutes. Uh, I think there's three three of them that you sent me, and yeah. uh, I, I I probably 
I probably have like eight different short, you know, audios. I would, I would record it for a while and turn it off and then turn it back on again. Mm-hmm. So I've sent you just a few of well, what I have, but they're from the, the two same, same times. All right. Well, let's take a listen to these and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about them. Okay. I'm going to say that even though those are three separate recordings, mm-hmm. it has the exact same tonal quality, only at different at different distances from yeah, you. Yeah, I agree. And you know, my hopes were um, I, I forwarded these on to James Lady, who, who does a great job with uh, audio, and I was hoping that he was going to be able to provide us with some analysis of it, you know, doing a comparative analysis with, uh, you know, wolves and coyotes and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, he's a busy guy and he's had a, a wedding anniversary and stuff like that. So I, I didn't want to press him too much on it. And, uh, I know at some point he will get that done to me and I'll, I'll get it to you. But, uh, you know, I understand my friend, the hunter saying, Oh, that's a wolf all day. Yeah. Um, I hear a different tonal quality to it than, than a wolf. Um, what, what disturbs me about this is it very, at the very end of each of the howls, 
there is a there's an oddness to the way it terminates and it's very reminiscent of some owl recordings that I had uh, from the Manistee National Forest um, from last September just the way that it it ends when it when it terminates the sound mm-hmm. it doesn't sound right to me yeah I, and I think that's why I nicknamed it the Howler because it's 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 odd sounding enough that it doesn't sound like a coyote doesn't really sound like a wolf and I I've, I've never you know I've heard Bigfoot howls on TV you know day and night um, and I, I don't know what else to call it but a howler because it's it's something that's howling. And I feel the same way as you do. It, it sounds like it's the same thing each time. It's not mm. like it's something different. And it's it's it was in two totally different directions and at different distances. Um, so that's me. It's like it doesn't sound doesn't sound like a dog. It doesn't sound like coyote that I'm used to hearing around here. You know, could it be a wolf? We don't have wolves. You know, like we talked about, maybe, maybe it, maybe it could be a wolf. But then it, it does sound differently. Could it be something that's roaming around and always com- only comes to the area every now and then? Yeah. You know, is it going to come back again? Don't know. But we're talking from April and then to July. I heard it the second time. Um, it's now you said you have about eight recordings. Are those? Mm-hmm. Multiple recordings on the same night, or are those yeah all... on the same okay same the same night. Um, what happens is like I try to I couldn't even send some to your phone the phone because they're lengthy the files are too big you mm-hmm. know and I have to email them and this and that. So there's some that were longer, uh, some that may projected a little bit better. I mean I wish I could have got them all to you and I still can do that. But um, since they're on my phone, you know, I wish it was a better quality, you know, recorder. Sure. And it would be easy. So, but at least you have the well, presence of mind to at least pull out your your voice recorder and and, and mm-hmm. use that. You know, some yeah, pe- and, some I people mean, will stand there and listen to it and be you know awestruck and and never yeah. even think about you know grabbing well, their, grabbing their phone to do that. Yeah, and the first the first time I heard it, I mean, I always have my phone with me just because we do live in the woods. And if I'm out on my golf cart or if I'm, you know, up in the woods or I'm out here at night by myself, I'm just very self-conscious about wanting to have my phone with me. And we don't have a landline phone. So I almost always have my phone, you know, in my back pocket or if it's, it's in my cart, if I'm out running around my cart. Um, so... You know, normally what I do is if I hear it, you know, like maybe I did stand and hear it some. And I thought, that's weird. You know, like, where's it coming from? And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to record that. And then, uh, so then I record it some and turn it off and it just keeps going. So I'll record some more, try and move a little closer or something so I can hear it better. And I do that with everything. If I'm, if I'm out and the owls are calling, I love to hear the owls call. I'll do the same thing. I'll try and walk closer to what you know, if I can, just so I can get better audio. So, 
I mean, with these howls, they were further off into the distance, me not knowing what they are, you know, and they're deep in the woods. It's not like, and it's at dusk. You can see in the videos, it's, it's always around the same time. It's at dusk when it happens. Um, so, I mean, it's just that's, really, that's an interesting point. That That's yeah. something that might, you know, might be something to look into as far as um, the time of day. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that too. It's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe it has howled before and I've not been home or I've been asleep or not been outside at the time and I'm just not hearing it. You know, my mind tells me those kind of things. And then it's like every night at dusk, I'm home locking up my animals. I have to, or they get eaten. So it's every night of my life for the past, you know, 10 years we've had livestock. I'm at home at dusk locking them up. So I've heard it twice out of, you know, thousand nights I've been out there. So it's like, if it's something that's normally around here or someone's pet or something like that, I feel like I would hear it more. Well, that's pretty telling in itself. You know, so it's, it's all those things that kind of add up that it's just something very abnormal that I'm only, I've only caught it twice and sound like the same creature each time, you know, definitely something that's howling. Um, my logic wants to say, yeah, it's coyote or it's gotta be a wolf or some strange dog out there, you know? But it's just odd enough that, you know, I'm thinking, could it be something else? Now, am am I remembering correctly? At some point, did you tell me that you guys had uh, put up uh, trail cams? Yes. I've had, we're the, if we have some activity, we will put trail cams up or if we've got uh, livestock that have gotten killed or something any i've only caught uh possum and raccoon on our trail cams neighbors have got bobcat and coyote our veterinarian lives across the highway from us and he said that he has seen a cougar even though we're not supposed to have a lot of cougars in our area but he's a veterinarian so you can imagine looking at a veterinarian in the face and saying you sure it wasn't a bobcat (laughs) no the vet looks at you like yeah. I'm a vet. I know about cougar. So, um, and we've never seen, we've never seen a cougar around here. I've never seen a bobcat around here. You know, I've seen a coyote a couple times, hear them all the time, but we don't get them on our trail pans. So it's not saying that those creatures aren't around here just because my trail cam doesn't, you know, pick it up. Right. But right. we don't have them running all the time. I'm, I'm very much the one that will set it up and then go get it and look at it. And it's got like a thousand some photos on there or something that I have to go through. And the times that I have done that, you know, then I don't put, I don't put the card back into the trail cam like I should. But the times that we have had it out, I've not had it up when I've heard the howler around which after the second time it happened July 8th and we went on vacation the 10th or 11th of July and I'm not 
put the trail cam, you know, set it up since then. But I mean, I know that I should, I think it should be a part of my normal, you know, routine. I would agree. Putting it out every night, turn it on, bringing it in and just, you know, deleting stuff off of it. If there's nothing on there and putting it out, but, um, I don't know. Well, there's some trail cams out there now. If you want to invest a little bit of money into it, I know my friend we got have one some. It's, um, that it's actually getting... that actually will send the pictures directly to your phone as they oh, as nice. they happen. Um, yeah, I definitely would like to get some better equipment. I do have a, a newer um, audio recorder that I've not used yet, so that I can try and get an audio recording on something other than my phone. So, um, yeah, we've I'm, been back I'm curious, what, what kind of uh, audio recorder did you get? I don't know the name of it. It's just a small, we actually um, showed it to Robert Kreider when we were at the conference. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact same recorder that he uses. He actually looked at Tom and I and said, where did you find that? That's what I use because we saw his laying on the table in the box. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I just got off the internet somewhere. He's like, oh, because they're hard to find. And that's the one I have, whatever that one is. Robert Carter would know. Um, I'm curious if you've thought about putting that out. Uh, because some of them have settings where, you know, you can go 12 hours. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking of having it, like, get it out when I hear something. You know, and, and my thought is, person. my thought is putting it out by your, your, uh, your art studio since it's right yeah. on the edge of the wood line and let it go overnight. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely an idea that I could do because normally when I am in here working, I have music on, but at nighttime when I lock it all up, it mean, I could just leave it sitting, you know, sitting out even on my table inside the studio. Cause it's not airtight. I could still hear something. Yeah. You know, but I guess my thought is, you know, if, if something is coming around to the, yeah. to the edge of the tree line, right. You, depending on if it's, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, does it have two, two directional mics at the very top? One's facing one way, one's facing the other. Yeah. This is just a little handheld one. I mean, it's not even bigger than like a cigarette pack. Mm. Because those those can be those can be pretty far, powerful tools and yeah and I mean, it's the one that uh, you know we plan on taking with us like if we went out in the woods or something or uh, yeah, I really I'd, need I'd to, be interested I'd be interested to know what was yeah I never thought about setting it out when I just thought about it being with me on my person and, and catching recordings but that would be that would be an idea just to leave it out. If, yeah. if you start noticing something during those hours on a regular basis, that might be some sort of a confirmation for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I normally am up till two in the morning. I'm like a two in the morning till about 10 in the morning person as far as sleeping. So, I mean, there's been sometimes I'm out if the weather's right. Especially in the fall, you know, when it's cooler, I like to stay out in the studio later at night. Um, but 
you know, I've been out here before at one or two in the morning and a few times that I've, the nights that I, I smelled the skunk odor, or I heard noises that I didn't particularly like. And I just kind of grab up my things and casually walk into the house. You know, <laughs> um, you know it's been, it's been midnight or later. But you know, a lot of things, a lot of things come out at night too. Yeah, that's true. That's um, very true. So, you know, I'm, I'm not normally, you know, paranoid to be out around our property at night. I love night hikes. You know, I love going out to the pond with a flashlight at night and checking out the frogs and stuff. It's, you know, and until, I think probably, you know, not up until I heard the howler did I ever question about being out alone at night here um does it bother me a little more sure because i don't know what's howling you know yeah but it's it's happened with you know those big gaps between that i think i just get you know more comfortable again and i think that's human nature yeah but i used to take i used to take my cart and go down the end of our road and down the main road there's a couple dead ends country roads i can go down and love every minute of it you know just have the the lights from my cart on and that's it and it's pitch black and i take my grandkids on night rides all the time never even think about you know anything bothering us um we'll stop along the road and just listen you know to night sounds and stuff um since I've heard the howler, it's always kind of like, you know, in the back of my mind a little bit, like maybe, maybe I shouldn't be, you know, maybe I shouldn't be out there, you know, by myself, <laughs> you know, at midnight in the dark woods. Well, you know, but, I don't think anybody should actually, you know, be afraid to live their life. Yeah. And that's what I don't want. I guess that's why I don't let it bother me too much. But I always figure something's wants to come at me. It's going to, regardless if I'm sitting in my studio or, you know, out walking on our road or out putting the chickens away. I mean. But on the other hand, I do believe I that, that people should have a, a, a pretty good understanding of their surroundings in any situation. Yeah, I think I do have that. Maybe that's why I don't get too. I, I kind of can sense when something's a little off or weird or out of the ordinary. Um and I'll retreat then. I'm not, you know, I'm not naive. If something doesn't feel right or, you know, looks looks a little off, I'll, I'll get out of this situation. But for the most part, you know, it's, I don't really feel that. What about family members or your significant other? Um, what? What about uh, family members or your significant other? Um, as far as... Uh, Fallen in lines with, you know, what you, you might think this is. Well, Tom's my fiance. He's the only one who lives here now because my oldest son is, he's 21 now and he doesn't live here anymore. So it's just me and Tom and all the animals. But, um, you know, Tom's pretty much the same, the same, um, kind of understanding and feelings that I would say I am with Bigfoot. Like we, we can't say that we, we believe in Bigfoot because we've seen him because we haven't. Um, we can't say we don't believe in Bigfoot because we haven't seen him. You know what I mean? It's, um, we both feel like some of the things that have happened are rather odd, but 
we don't go around telling people that Bigfoot's come to our property kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not like that because, uh, well, and I guess what I was getting at is at least you have some, some support. Oh yeah. Um, I, I think know. I have that. And I mean, I, I don't tell a lot of people, a lot of the stories, you know, that I've shared with you, um, maybe a couple times, like the quail, like, I was always giving my daughter quail eggs, you know, and I didn't have quail, quail eggs. And, you know, when I was like, well, something came in and got our quail. So, you know, I shared the story. And of course, sometimes I don't give details and Tom will, you know, he'll right away say something like, you know, something came and actually opened the door and took the quail, you know, and they're like, (laughs) what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, Oh, I didn't really want to go into those details. But so sometimes, you know, we've, we've told people things like that, but, like when the tree branch was stuck outside the studio, I mean, I told Tom, I was like, you gotta come see this. This is really weird. You know, we'll look at each other with our eyebrow, eyebrows raised, with our eyes big, like, looks like someone stuck that in there, you know? Yeah. Um, that That's a very interesting piece. And then it's embedded in the ground. Like, he's like, I can't pull that out. I gotta go, we'll have to move that with the tractor. And I was like, no, just leave it. Just leave it. And it's still there. But, um, you know, like, I think he and I think the same thing sometimes. Like, some things are too odd to explain away. There's mm-hmm. got to be something else doing it. It's just too, it just didn't happen by itself. It wasn't, you know, some people say coincidence, you know, or um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. There's just a, there's just an area or a dimension somewhere that is like, you don't know the explanation for what could have happened, you know? What about structures? Uh, like walking around, traipsing around, investigating on your property and stuff. Uh, have you ever seen anything that was... Yeah. Um, I mean, you could go up into our woods and see all kinds of breaks and twists and stuff, and people would say, you know, when did that or, or whatever. I've seen some stuff on some Bigfoot research shows, and it's like I could go out my back door and see all of that. You know, yeah. um, things that I'm thinking is just the wind did it and animals or whatever. But the only time that I ever thought that something was really odd was when I was cleaning out our little creek area and I started noticing these trees, smaller trees that were all bent over in the same direction. And it was almost like a linear line was being made like a territorial line up the creek on one side of the little creek bed. <laughs> I thought that's just weird. How did the wind come in here and just catch those trees? Were they pointing were they pointing towards the creek or were they running along? They were pointing away. They were pointing away from the away from the house and up to the hill. So to the back part of the woods. So um you know, and I told my son about it, and they do shoot guns back in that direction. So my son was like, oh, it had to be bullets. Bullets just went through there and pierced those trees. And I was like, okay, maybe. Maybe they did. Maybe maybe a couple of, you know, a straight bullet took, took out the trees in that distance. I mean, things like that. You know, you just try to explain it away. And that was the reaction that I got from from him, was that it just had to be from... Very interesting. Like I said, you you put a lot of check marks in a lot of boxes. Yeah, and I 
I mean, my hands were actually getting sweaty and I started to feel a little nervous. Um, kind of like when you're telling a scary story. I've never really sat and talked to anybody about all of it. Or maybe it's just that I'm also telling it all at once to someone. Um, but yeah, it's almost like when people are telling you scary stories and you start to get a little uncomfortable about it, which I guess that's what your show's all about. <laughs> but, but seriously, I, it's like my, my palms got sweaty. Like I was getting nervous, like having to tell, you know, I like, I started to, you know, creep myself out hearing myself tell, tell the stories out loud. So here I stand in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Along the tree line. Yeah. Well, coming from a woman who goes towards the sounds. Um, yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of what it's like a nervous excitement. Yeah. You know how that is. Sure. It's like, I'm definitely that person. I would be creeped out if I heard a bunch of noises right around me, but then I'd be like, hey, let's follow it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I very much appreciate taking the time. Keep up with us. Let us know if you have any more, uh, any more howlers. I will. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jill. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. I look forward to listening to some more shows and see what you can do with this one. Oh, it'll be fine. It's going to be a great show. So, for tonight, that's it, folks. Yep. Thank you, Jill. Good night. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Night. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.